Welcome to Peace Teachings Podcast, where we explore, cultivate, and celebrate our spiritual nature together. I'm Jennifer Norton. And I'm Paola Castro, and it is our joy to bring to you these wisdom teachings. Have you ever met someone that, when you meet them, immediately their radiance and magnetism draw you into their energy field? Our guest today is the embodiment of integrity, presence, and love. And not only that, what I admire the most is that she's devoted to serving humanity with her strong talents, gifts, and her unbelievable life journey. Her name is Veronica Carrera, and she's the author of her powerful memoir, 140 Miles of Life, A Remarkable Journey to Self-Acceptance and Love. She's also a motivational speaker and an executive leader and a business coach. And she has been acknowledged for leading teams to high performance and empowering others to the best versions of themselves. Yes. Yes. Veronica is also celebrated and recognized for her expertise in financial markets and technology. And she is a tenacious, beautiful, practical, powerful, and objective leader. She believes that to lead is to serve. And her philosophy is based on servant leadership, which focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of the people and the clients that she serves. We'll hear more about that. And her personal philosophy in life is that integrity is everything and that there is a greater consciousness that allows us all to connect to our higher self and to others in oneness. Welcome, beautiful Veronica, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Paola. That was a beautiful, gorgeous introduction. <laughs> oh, we're delighted to have you with us here today. So good. I loved reading your bio, Vero. Uh, what you said, I just mentioned just now also, to lead is to serve. I'm quoting you. So if you will share with our listeners, what does service mean to you? Mm. So um, I, I, I know I'm quoting somebody else, to lead is to serve. I just can't remember who I'm quoting, but uh, I think most leaders... Um, we that most leaders them want to lead in a conscious way i feel and this is their philosophy to lead is to serve um and what do i mean by uh service is that i started most of my career wanting to achieve just for the sake of achievement and feeling that i am enough if I get to the next um, promotion, that is a validation, right? And it's almost this race to, to feeling that I am deserving of all of that, all of the possibilities that could come my way. And it became a race against everything else, against everyone else. And I feel that at some point, once I started coming into my own personal journey to higher consciousness, I realized that 
it is not a journey or a race against anything else or anyone else or, or proving anything. It's really a journey to connecting to my own heart. And once I realized that and I was able to connect to my own heart, I was able to show up very differently in the corporate world because the more connected I was to who I am, the more I could be that type of leader that can create transformation in people's lives, not only professionally, but also personally. Mm. What a beautiful yes. answer. Mm. Will you speak more, Fero, into how you've changed, how your service has grown? I hear you speaking of integration and mm -hmm. integrity so that as you serve, you're able to, if I, I'm not quoting you exactly, but you're able to serve someone professionally and also recognizing the wholeness of your clients uh, and your students that that you're you're serving them on multiple levels. Is that did I understand yes. correctly? Yes, Jennifer. And you call, you talked about integration. So the integration piece has to start with the self, right? How am I integrating uh, the lessons that uh, that life is offering me? That those lessons become wisdom. Uh, the doors that are opening to a greater awakening for me. How am I integrating that in my personal life first? And then the way I show up at work, integrating that to my professional life. So that is what comes so that when you become more of this in this integral life, right? Where every all the pieces come together, then I'm able to show up that way to my clients to the people that I lead. And what does that mean? What does that look like? I think that's what you are trying to ask, Jennifer, is that I have, for instance, one-on-one -on -one calls with my team every week, which person. And that time for me is sacred. And I don't want to know just how much money and revenue they're going to bring into the business. That is important, yes, because we are responsible and accountable to bring a lot of money to the company. But the most important piece happens even before that call. I start with meditation in the mornings for myself so that I feel that I'm more connected to my soul. And at times I think about them and they come to my awareness during my meditation. And I'm thinking about, I know they just lost a big deal, a big sale. I know they lost a business. How are they feeling? How can I best show up for this call that is coming up and have a balance between the responsibility that we have to the business and the human behind this mm. so that I am connected and I always want to connect first to how they are doing and not make that a casual question, but a really intentional question. How are you doing? How is this making you feel now? Because I know that if I'm tapping into the unseen reality, the intangible reality of what's happening to the internal world, once I tap into that, the external performance or our external realities is going to align to that shift that needs to happen from within. So I'm very intentional. That's one. Number two, I'm very intentional in how I feel towards them. If there is any disruption in the communication, or in the emotions, in the connection, I make sure that I restore that first. 
-hmm. And it's not always easy. I make it sound like easy because I'm a human being who makes mistakes, even as a leader. So I have to kind of think about it. Oh, was that the right way for me to answer? Should I have gotten upset because of this or that? Um, how do I pivot uh, so that I become a more reflective and more conscious leader? Mm. And then I, I restore that relationship. The relationship piece is important to continuously be nurturing that with the people in my team, my colleagues, my leaders, whatever it is, and, and my clients as well, our clients, right? So that's the second piece, the connection and the restoration, constant restoration. Mm. Um, I'm always supposed to have a third point. And I guess my third point is really understanding that uh, everything starts with, uh, you know, the self. Um, how am I healing? How am I constantly restoring myself? That's beautiful. Wow. And, you know, as you're speaking, Vero, and you're doing this in the corporate world, but I also know that you do this with your friends with your family like when you're in the presence of Vero she's there with you present and that's one of the things that I mentioned at the beginning it's it's so magnetic because uh, these days and you know it's it's all an observation there's no judgment Um, we tend to be so disconnected so distracted that having a conversation with someone that is truly there, that truly cares and wants to listen, not with the desire of just talking, just wants to listen is something that it's very rare. And I really admire that in you, Vero. And that also refers to the part of integrity that you said that we read in your bio. Integrity is everything. And I think you're referring to that being in integrity with yourself first which if we think about this, uh, these are Buddhist. Um, I mean, many religions talk about this, but the Buddhists especially, it's like you cannot give peace to the world if you don't have peace with yourself first. Yes. And so you're starting from, from that very, uh, from that wisdom and that's it's true wisdom. So I am I'm catching that that's the way that you're leading from true integrity. Is there any else that you would like to mention about this quality of integrity that you because yeah I already said it you do exude integrity in your relationships um yes and and I and I'm also careful because I don't know if we're all a hundred percent integral but it is a important to feel that I am and meaning truth I'm careful what I say um if I am like, I have to make sure that I'm speaking the truth with my emotions. Um, if I say, oh, this is what I'm doing, that should be what I'm doing, not what I'm about to do, right? Um, because truth in small things is just an expression of the truth in the bigger things. If you can be truthful with small things, how do you expect yourself to be truthful with bigger things? Mm. And at times I get tested because even with emotions, I say, oh, that's amazing. And maybe I don't think it's amazing. So I even stay myself with how I describe things, mm-hmm. right? Be a balance of being kind and compassionate, but truthful. And it's an interesting balance. 
Yeah. Beautiful. I hear you speaking into it being a moment by moment or an ongoing living reality to be in integrity. Mm. It's not something that's one and done. It's much like what we were discussing before we began the interview about spiritual illumination being a, a flash and an individual expecting for that to be done forever and ever. Amen. And and the truth is that we we three recognize that it's it's a choice it's a choosing because mm -hmm. we're alive we are a living thing and and what i hear you saying vero is that integrity is also a living thing that compassionate leadership is is a living ongoing uh choice thank you jennifer uh, you described that very beautifully and you reminded me of yeah something we talked about before we went live it is that you know because i have had some powerful awakening moments in my life, so mystical experiences, spiritual experience, whatever you want to call it. And it's that flash of light that helps you see these parts of the universe and, 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 and helps you touch a little bit that reality of that bigger light. And then we have those moments and we think, oh my gosh, it's a huge awakening experience where your heart becomes a portal to that greater reality. Mm -hmm. But then we may stay with that for a little bit. And then what happens? We must continue with the integration. It doesn't stop there. And I heard recently that our ongoing practice what we do every day to continue to integrate that experience of the flash of light that we have been given as a gift of the universe because we're ready for it, right? What do we do with that? So then what we do intentionally, like you said, Jennifer, on a day, on our daily lives matters because it's an, it's an expansion of that spark that was given to you as a gift from the universe, how do we expand that spark yeah. through our meditation, through reading uh, what I call codes of light, um, whatever it is, so that you can keep on nurturing that light within. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, before enlightenment, you chop wood. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do after enlightenment? <laughs> and carry water and and you you've mentioned a couple of your transformations and you know mystical experiences um and from those mystical experiences, I, I'm, I'm i'm telling you what i already know but our listeners don't know i know that it, you know the intention of writing your book came alive and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Vero, you wanted to write this book before or after like this deep, deep, deep awakening that um, that took place a few years ago? Yes. Yeah, so um, this uh, deep awakening, um, no, it happened before. I started to write after. <laughs> so uh, my grandma died about five years ago and it fully like it, it just broke my heart um it like it just broke my heart in many many ways and my heart just cracked wide open and and that was the beginning of me wanting to put things into words 
And I had the intention even before, but it never, like before my grandma died, because I used to do public speaking and people used to come to me and say, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I'm ah, nah, yes, whatever. You know, I don't, I didn't have the, the, the desire and the discipline to start. Then my grandma's uh, death uh, happened and I started to write, but I had no purpose. Like, I just felt like I wanted to share something. I had something to share. It was the beginning of something that it is, and I always call it, it's a pool. Life is about a pool and following that pool. So without knowing why necessarily, I followed the pool and I started to write things. And then I started to un, un, um, unload all of these emotions. And, and obviously I talked about grammar. I talked about some of the hardships in my, the early parts of my life. And then right one fourth through the book, I go through this huge, mystical, powerful experience. I would say one fourth through half of the book. And that just, it, just, it all makes sense because then the book started to have a different consciousness. The words, the downloads, as I was writing, I would just start and then suddenly there were all this flush of thoughts and emotions and I would just keep on writing. I couldn't stop. And, and I knew it was because now it had a greater purpose and it came alive with that. It is a, it's a really great book. It's called 140 Miles of Life, A Remarkable Journey to Self-Acceptance and Love. So if you're listening, you're not seeing me, then I'm showing the book, but I will definitely put links into how to get this book. It is uh, it is a remarkable journey. Um, I don't know if you have any questions about the book. Uh, Jen, I know you haven't read it, but it, I mean, if you're looking for something to read on the holidays. <laughs> I absolutely am. I look forward to reading it. Yes. And so I'll go ahead and say, Veronica, promise us you'll come back at some future point and, and share with us more deeply. We'll give also give our readers, as Paula said, the link and give everyone an opportunity to read your book. And then um, and then we can get more deeply into it. Uh, if if you could share with us the greatest takeaway for you from completing this book, what's the what was the catharsis? If, if I know that's an unfair question, because to claim that there's only one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not true. But what what's coming up inside of you from your heart around um, the transformation that occurred with this book? Um, it was that I had this um, moment when I felt that this was my soul agreement. Oh. And this was nothing, you know, some people read some parts of the stories, and yes, it's hard to read. Uh, many people go through difficult experiences, and I feel like a lot of people can write a book and empower and inspire so many people. I just happen to have done it, right? But I remember one time when I was in Costa Rica um, uh, in a beautiful place called Rhythmia and I was um, having this beautiful experience and, and then I remember feeling my book, like I didn't have it with me, but feeling the book and I felt like this was my sole contract. I agreed to this for whatever purpose for my conscious evolution. And it has been an honor, God. Mm. It has been an honor because I have never been alone. Mm. And that realization 
that whatever life has thrown at us, what it feels it has thrown at us, it is a privilege because someone up there trusted us with this life and what we'll make with it. Mm-hmm. And the gratitude I had for my soul as well, for having accepted it and for having had the opportunity to say yes to also the healing. Yes to the healing and yes, and yes to the higher purpose to help others heal as well and say yes to life. A life of service, a life of connection, a life of of greater serving the greater light. Indeed, you do. You and I have never met in person, and I want our listeners to know that we briefly know one another. And I, I just want to share with you, Vero and Paula, my body is full of chills. And I know what that means for me anyway. Those are all affirmative yeses, sacred yeses. I know the truth when I'm when it's before me, when it's present. And you are a mighty leader. Vero, really, I'm so grateful that you said yes, and that you showed up again and again for God in truth, stripped down and honest. Mm. Uh, Because we all are benefiting from your courage and your mighty, mighty soul contract. Thank you for that. Wow, you have such a beautiful way to share to say things, <laughs> Jennifer. And I know I told um, Jen and Paola when we were getting ready that that I had I saw that you started um, peace teachings uh, podcast, and I remember I was listening to it. I don't know if I was driving; I can't remember, but I was just listening to it. I didn't see your faces, and then I remember saying, "Wow." Paola and this person that I don't know, they are just the perfect people to go live. Like you compliment each other so well. It it was very powerful since the first podcast. So thank you. It's the same feeling that I have towards you. Thank you, Vero. So good. Yeah, Jen, Jen, um, when she speaks, it's like, oh, it's like she hugs your soul, right? <laughs> She's so yes. beautiful. You're so beautiful. Thank you. Uh, feeling is mutual. Yes, yes. So, Vero, I know, I mean, the book, it's, it's, um, it's not super long, but it's three, 300 pages, uh, which I did like in four days. Um, it's, I mean, you can't stop reading the book, but would you take our listeners through um, a little bit of this journey, obviously, without, you know, you know, you have to read the book, you get to read the book. But what is this book about besides just your journey? What was, um, I know you, you just mentioned it's a soul contract. Do you realize at some point um, it's you sharing your story? But can you take us through a little bit of what the book has inside? Yes. Yeah, so let me start by, uh, what's the title? 140 Miles of Life, A Remarkable Journey to Self-Acceptance and Love. 140 Miles of Life, um, I chose that as a title of the memoir and because it serves as a metaphor for the my life story, which has uh, some important messages and it's different layers. Um, but let me explain 140 Miles first because I think that's the fun part of the story. Um, 
140 miles is the distance of the longest endurance triathlon in the world. And I did it. Um, I was an avid athlete, triathlete. And it takes about 17 hours. Uh, that's the limit to complete this race nonstop. And it comprises of first the swim, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run. So a marathon at the end. I did it in 13 hours. I was actually, I actually trained to do it in less time because I wanted to qualify for Kona where the best athletes in the world under the age category go to. But it took me a little longer because of things and you you find the books, still super respectful, the, the respectable, the time. Um, so that's nonstop. You don't eat throughout the whole time. You have to learn as a long endurance triathlete or athlete because there is also ultra marathons and long endurance races like that. It's a whole science behind it. Like if you think about it, I don't eat even from the, the night before, I don't eat anything. So you have to learn how to take electrolytes, put an alarm every 15 minutes you're on the bike. So it reminds you to eat or do some meaning, take the electrolyte. So it's a whole interesting race that is part of the story and is broken down in between the stories. So that it takes you, it serves as a metaphor. For instance, the swim, it goes into my childhood, the childhood part of my, my life. Then the bike is my younger years when I grew up as a Mormon. And then what happens? I grew up as a Mormon. And, you know, for those who know Mormonism, they are super strict. And you'll find out in the book that I came out as gay when I was a Mormon after I serve a Mormon mission. So imagine what that must have been like. And it felt like this long endurance part of my life to until I was able to, to leave the religion. So that was the bike part of it. And then the run. The run is when I hit, right before the run, I hit rock bottom, what people often call the dark night of the soul. There was a moment when I struggled for so many years, and this is the central part of the story. That's the, the central theme. Uh, growing, as a, as growing up as a Mormon and coming out as gay. And it took me years. I knew since I was super young that something was different about me, but I just put it aside. This is not me, this is not me. This Then I become a Mormon, then I become a missionary, then I go to Brigham Young University and the Mormon church views homosexuality as a crime next to murder. So you think about that, living with that. And I said, oh my gosh, I can't have this. You go through everything. I will fast more than once a month so that I could probably, maybe I just need extra help from God to get rid of these emotions and these feelings, these filthy feelings homosexual feelings, or maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I really need to read the scriptures more. And then I would just fall in love and the struggle, the pull and the push and the torture. It was a psychological warfare. Led me to what I mentioned that was a dark night of the soul where I considered suicide. And, and that was a turning point in my book. That was a moment that could have determine everything, right? I wouldn't even be here. And something happened that made me choose life. And that opened the door again, 
that portal to walking away from a structure that no longer served me um, to, to decide to find who is the real I am, who is the real Veronica, who is that eternal essence and, and what I'm here to do. And that led me to uh, some beautiful spiritual experiences from A Course in Miracles to plant medicine, ayahuasca, to just continuing in this path of consciousness. I also follow Matias Stefano. Many beautiful things, but I had to, what um, Vishen Lakiani calls, go through that beautiful destruction <laughs> and do everything that I thought about myself. And that's not a one day journey. Yeah. Uh, and do everything and, and find who I am, find who I am outside of any institution, outside of any anyone's belief, outside of anything. So now that you leave everything behind, who am I? Who is Veronica outside of the Mormon religion, outside of this job, outside of anything? Who am I? Yes. And the beautiful realization and the higher awareness of who we are <laughs> and once we connect to that, uh, it's, there's just everything is about this divine power. And the rest is just just basically just sit and enjoy the ride. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that answer. I yeah, love I, I love how you weaved it all together, the, the three parts of the marathon in your life. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And but I know that um, you know, your value of being of service is so strong, and I'm so grateful that you know that you've asked that courageous question who am i without all of this and as you're finding more and more and going deeper deeper within yourself uh it seems like and as, as a friend and as someone that admires you it seems like uh this um intention of being of service is also growing and you bought land here in Costa Rica and you have great plans for this land. It's it's a baby, it's in its, its gestation process. But would you uh -huh. be willing to share with us about um, this new project that is coming through you? Yeah, thank you, Paola, because you have um, been there to listen to uh, to this and, and hold space within your heart for, for this. Um, but I, I think I, I want to just introduce it by saying, even going back to something that I didn't say about the book, which is, you know, the last part is the, is the run, right? Getting to your destination, right? To that finish line. And I think in life, um, the divine takes us to awakens, awaken us um, to a greater purpose. A greater wisdom, a greater consciousness, and then it starts to show you the the wonder and of the universe. And then somehow, as I continue this journey, and I I am very 
purposeful, purposeful about integrating, right? As, as maintaining my spiritual practice and meditating each day and, and being a good person just in general. That's, that's what we are supposed to do. Like just try, right? Um, I was, I remember I did a plan ceremony in Costa Rica my first year. And then after I left, I started to have this thought about being more connected to nature and plant medicine. And I'm sorry, and, and, and having this conscious community that we shouldn't be living separate, that we should have these conversations that we're having right now. It should happen more often and organically. And when you connect to people with similar purposes and similar I, I'm careful how I say this vibration and frequencies because sometimes we tend to feel like, oh, yes, I'm a better friend. No, there's nothing about that. It's just when you are resonating um, in similar ways, it fills you. And I think we should experience more of that more often and then take that to the world more often the way you're doing it right now with your podcast. Mm -hmm. You are a portal for more wisdom, for more light, for more loving order, right? And that's what we are each called to something like that and come together and support each other to do more of that because we live out of fear or we live out of love. The world of fear is there. Do we want to look at it? Do we want to believe that it's real? Or what is reality? What is truly real is the world of love. And that's what we're trying to highlight more with the things that we do. Mm -hmm. So when I left that ceremony, Costa Rica, I started to have this persistent thought that I, I now I know that is more this, my inner self, my higher self speaking to me before I was like, okay, I'm not. When I first started to have that persistent thought, I came back to Manhattan working in the Empire State Building. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Why am I thinking about nature and connection? And this, I am working in Manhattan, in the Empire State Building. This is who I am. I work so hard to get an MBA and do all these things. Uh, I need to continue to rise and do what I need to do in this corporate world. And I said, I'm not going to be like those hippies, if I can just be honest with you. <laughs> that, that they right. plant medicine and they want to give up on the world. And that's not me. And, that's <laughs> and then this thought came more randomly, but didn't leave me. And a year later, it was very clear to me that I had, that something was calling me to create this, to create this opportunity to have uh, this piece of land in Costa Rica. And I was actually, I remember standing on top of this mountain when someone show, showed it to me and there was no doubt. And I'm always a person who questions things first. I don't just, I, uh, everything has to be done logically. This, there's nothing logical about this decision, actually. <laughs> it was just like there was a thunder that just went straight to my heart. It says, you are going to buy this. And I started to have a little conversation with this thought, like why? And, um, and all of these thoughts. But the point is that I ended up this buying this, I would say, relatively uh, Okay, a big piece of land 
close to Samara Beach, which is a mountain, by the way. Which is 10 to 12 minutes away from what I would say one of the most beautiful beaches that I've seen and just beautiful community, super diverse. And the purpose has started to unfold. And now it has become something that is really what is what we uh, we call it uh, Atertunti. What is Atertunti is in Atlantean language, bringing heaven to earth. And uh, ins the inspiration to this was definitely Matthias Stefano, because I joined him in Egypt to do some of the conscious work. Um, and but I wasn't, I did not really know have all the details of what Atertunti was, and then. I called it other two things, and I, I learned more through it. And it's really a what they call is a mission to bring heaven to earth. And and I'm reading a little bit in the sense that this this whole thing was born out of Atlantida times over 13 years ago, and is using the consciousness and human social development to channel the light and to bring that consciousness to the world and divinize the world, right? And it is basically a time of awakening. I'm not the only one who has felt this. There are many people in the world that are feeling this, that we are meant to live in real connection. Yeah. Connection that comes from here, mm -hmm. from here, from here, from the environment, and not living in this illusion of separation. Wow. Oh. Yeah, so this is a concept that was 13,000 years ago in the Atlantean mm -hmm. times. Wow, yeah. powerful. And so what, what is the vision for the place? It would be a, a community in which people can go and, and have a week or two weeks. It, there would be a, you know, a place like a, a, a hotel. Uh, yeah, 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 no, good. So uh, I would say... Uh, um, I basically right now the, the stage one, we have a few of my close friends who are also into this path of consciousness and and a lot of things are also in the corporate world. But for, for them to have a place to live there and, and also we're having some glampings, like beautiful glampings um, so that people can come stay. So very modern, comfortable, beautiful, but in the middle of nature. So then on top of the mountain, Right. Uh, this will be a maloka or a yoga or meditation. Yeah. Right. And people can come and experience uh, these healing modalities: yoga, meditation, sound healing, tai chi. I mean, some mountains. So you can even just walk and hike the mountain, and you know, and 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 horseback riding, whatever it is that you want. And obviously, um, all people of wisdom are called to come here and just share whatever wisdom they have to share with the world. At the end of the day, it is a place to, to heal and connect because once we unblock anything that is blocking our hearts, then our potential is limitless. Mm. And so it wow. is. Yeah. So be it already done in spirit. You've heard mm. the call. And it's so very clear for those of us listening to your description, Vero, this Atertunti, you're the embodiment of it. And it's a channeling space. It's it's a channeling space. Yes. It's where That's the divine, what it is. Yeah. I love your description. I love your intention. And uh, I'll see you there. 
Yes. <laughs> now that I know you, I love you. You have to come. <laughs> yes, thank you. A part of me is already there. And I know we are connected in oneness. What a beautiful yeah. call that you've said yes to, Vero. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, something that we love to share with our listeners. And so we're going to invite you to just intuit and share with us anything that's coming up for you right now. Do you have a go-to practice, um, something that you turn to that organically comes up inside of you that you could share, something practical that uh, that you feel pulled to share with our listeners today? The first thing for me and is to and I'm not always like perfect at it uh, as soon as I wake up sometimes my dog wants me to take him out quickly so that depends but I try to sit there have a spot that is designed for meditation already and I know um that that's where I need to go and one of my inspirations for that is Sena Salvi um a world humanitarian I remember when I first started my meditation practice about four years ago, or right after I did my first plant medicine. I met with Saint Asalvi. Um, we connected for to discuss something important, and I remember I was I was still trying to get into the practice of meditation because for me sitting for five minutes was a lot before, and now I can sit there for an hour, right? But in silence. But I remember I, I initially. When I was trying to adopt this practice, I, I told Sainab, ah, Sainab, how is it for you to sit there? Like, how long do you sit there for? She can sit there for as long as she needs to. I said, isn't it hard sometimes for you? And she goes, how do you motivate? Like, how do you get yourself to be in that space? And she says, how could I not? Mm-hmm. How could I not connect with my creator? Mm-hmm. That was her answer. How could I not connect and start my day connecting to my creator? She doesn't know this, but that was for me. Any time that I feel, oh, you know, I don't actually feel like that anymore. But there were moments, there have been moments where I'm like, oh, I meditate, what should I do first? But I just like, how could I not connect with my creator? Awesome. So I go there. I put my meditation music, and that's the moment for me to receive my personal messages for my life, mm-hmm. my personal messages for direction, my inner compass, and for me to continue to follow uh, the voice of the Creator, which is that's what I'm here to do, and nothing more, and to help um, and to be of service. Thank you, Vero. Wow. I should share a course in miracles. I do read a course in miracles almost every day. And I facilitate a a class every Friday with friends. I help facilitate. Now my friends are also good. Everyone now facilitates, but for the most part, I I try to keep that together because I I feel that a course in miracles has given me so much Mm -hmm. in a perspective that has helped me maintain the light. Mm -hmm. And I want everyone to also, um, have that and that was and obviously we have different tools that is just being my tool so i i share that with friends and that's my dog drinking water by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. 
Katie. Which is very important. Super thirsty. Also. Yeah. <laughs> As you can Hydration. tell. Hydration. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Vero. This has been so fun and so uplifting and so inspiring. Thank you. I, I will have the best time. We will have the best time putting uh, this podcast together and, and, you know, letting the world know about you and what you're yes. doing and about your book and about your wisdom. So thank you for saying yes to Peace Teachings Podcast. Um, I loved having you with us. And as uh, Jen said before, please come back. We'd love to have you again. Thank you, Paola. I do I do not want to leave without saying that something that I said before we went live, but I think it's important for me to say it now because one of the important, super important parts of my book when I had this huge opening to this awakening and healing and everything is you were part of it. You were that person that helped me overcome something super difficult mm. before I even say yes to this path of healing. Wow. And afterwards, you were that coach to help me integrate this new world for me that was so unknown and so new and so wonderful, difficult at times and super powerful. So you were that person as my coach and as my friend now, um, you have been very inspiring to me and, and thank you because even some of your words are in the book at the end uh, because they came from your inspiration, I have to say. And Jennifer, thank you. Uh, you are just beautiful and pure light. Uh, so thank you. It's been an honor for me to be here. Yes, I, I share what you speak of about Paula. She is a mighty teacher mighty. and a magnificent companion. Mm. Uh, so saluting both of you namaste the spirit namaste. in me recognizes celebrates and is so very grateful for the divine in you you're my sisters and i love you thank you so much Vero. thank you paula thank you and thank you everyone for listening and yeah share this episode with all your friends invite <laughs> your friends with veronica's wisdom <laughs> have a beautiful rest of your day everyone and we'll see you on the next episode Thank you. Peace to all. This has been a peace teaching. Thank you for being an active listener in this sacred conversation. We love you. We appreciate you. And we bless your life. Peace be with you.